Hello and welcome to Weekly Monotony, the official podcast of the entertainment blog DailyMonotony.com. Uh, usually this is where I'd have the funny intro for you, but unfortunately we had a little bit of a snafu with our recording equipment and we lost the first half of the show. But thank goodness we did manage to capture the movie review segment, so we're going to give that to you instead of nothing at all. And, uh, you know, I guess because, you know, I managed to catch the PAX Nerd Flu, apparently our recording equipment did too. But uh, uh, that's all we got for you, so it's a slightly shorter show, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. Uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and move into the reviews of the two movies that we saw over the past two weeks. And that is, of course, Gamer and Nine. It ain't just a game. We're all slaves. My husband, he's due to be released soon. Your wife and your daughter need you. It's the only thing that keeps you alive. We know where she is. So I can beat them, not with you controlling me. You want to win? Turn me loose. You're pulling all the strings around here. I think if you do it, you're mine, boy. something you can control okay let's start first with gamer the crazy crazy movie from two crazy directors uh, neville dean and taylor famous for making their insanely over-the-top films uh, crank and crank 2 uh, they seem to be uh, kind of keeping up style with their new movie uh, gamer starring uh, gerard butler as a prisoner who is basically uh gets to take part in a video game involving live people where people can control these live people in this like first person shooter environment. And of course they're all convicted criminals. And if you know, you win 30 rounds, you win your freedom. But of course there's more intrigue into that. Uh, Scott, you saw this film. What did you think of gamer? I did see this film. Um, you know, any film that brings to live action the vision of the gamer that South Park had in Make Love Not Warcraft um, in vicious visual detail, I think, is both notable and despicable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but really, I'm um, gamer. Uh, what... <laughs> What a disjointed film. I mean, it's trying to be an action movie. None of the action scenes work. They're terribly edited. They're terribly shot. I don't know what anyone was thinking. Their line producers must have been off, like, smoking joints in their spare time. <laughs> There's a huge quantity of talent on display here, but none of it really has anything to do. A whole bunch of actors from television, um, more so than typical sort of movie actors, 
um yeah or cinema i mean you have Kira sedgwick in there uh very famous from the closer uh we have right the, amber valetta michael Muxie c hall, hall from Alice dexter Lohman. Yeah. i mean these people are all from television principally or principally have been known for having a major role on a television series that's lasted for a while and has actually picked up some viewers so like I said, sort of has a TV-like flavor to it. Um, but I mean, really, there's just not anything good here. It's 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 sold as an action movie, but it doesn't have any good action. I mean, I don't even want to talk about character development or those sorts of things. It's just not really isn't much. <laughs> there really are two reasons to see this film, and one is for Michael C. Hall's performance, particularly this this amazing sequence we we may talk about in just a minute towards the end of the film which is alone worth the cost of admission. Oh, yes. And also, if you are a Trekkie, there's an incredibly brief but incredibly delicious cameo by John Delancey. Really? Also known as Q, to those of you who watch TNG, as a studio head. Huh. I completely missed that. <laughs> Apparently you did. He, he's at the very beginning of the film talking to the Kira Sedgwick character about, well, he could buy the whole network if he wanted. Really? Sporting a goatee and it looking sort of disgruntled. Huh. That almost makes me want to go see this film again. <laughs> but not. <Wow. laughs> yeah, not, I, I agree. This is this was a pretty horrendously bad film. Uh, so, so just a, some background. Neville Dean and Taylor, their previous films, Crank and Crank 2, were renowned for basically having little to no story and just being as extreme and over the top as they could possibly be. In fact, notoriously, when they screened Crank 2 for the press, they stood up beforehand and they said, we apologize for the film you're about to watch. Uh, now, the, the funny thing is that Crank 2 was actually really well-received by critics because it was so over-the-top and it was so tongue-in-cheek that uh, it, actually, it actually became quite a hoot to watch. Uh, Gamer, the problem is, like, while it tries to be as over-the-top in terms of sort of, you know, visceralness of the violence, uh, visceralness of of you know you know nudity and like depravity being shown its problem is i i really don't feel this film is as overtly tongue-in-cheek as it needs to be it's clearly is tongue-in-cheek in fact there's no way you cannot think that anything neville dean and taylor do are not tongue-in-cheek but to me it almost tries to ride this line of we're trying to actually say something about what it means to be a gamer that this really overt reference to basically what is second life in this film they have very overt references to the sort of negative stereotypes of gaming culture both the kind of spoiled brat kid and the you know the large obese person you know who you know sits in a wheelchair and can't move but plays video games and i don't know there's there's some part of it that just it did it didn't really click like i don't feel i don't feel like it was either extreme enough to be funny or you know uh serious enough to be you know worth even considering for the message it was trying to give. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Overall, pretty a pretty lame film. Gerard Butler, who plays the main the main uh, uh, convict, who's who's sort of two games away from his his uh, last fight, where he can finally get to freedom, basically has absolutely zero personality, which sucks because uh, in the movie Rock and Roll, which I just watched uh, last week, uh, he's hilarious, and I actually think he's he's a really great character. Uh, actually think he didn't play a bad Phantom in Phantom of the Opera, but I, I will leave You that. think he played a bad Phantom, no, in I know, Phantom I, I, of the no, Opera? No, I don't think he did, but uh, I'll keep that comment oh, okay. soft because I know there's a was, there's a, uh, a singing person in our midst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the most interesting Phantom, maybe not the most <laughs> classic. Uh, but yeah, either way, it, 
totally wasted in this film. Kier Cedric totally wasted in this film. She she was a non-entity. I totally agree with Scott that the only reason for watching this film is the hilarious performance by Michael C. Hall, who plays basically the owner of this event, the guy who developed the technology for this event. And uh, he plays the classic, like, you know, sinister, evil, bad guy. Uh, but he really does have some hilarious uh, breakout moments towards the end of this film, which I actually found you know, amusing. And I wish, I wish more of that had been in the rest of the film. And I actually feel like I may have been able to enjoy the film if more of that over the top, obvious humor had been put into this film. But, uh, yeah, overall, the, the, I think this film was, wasn't, it's not worth seeing, not worth wa- wasting your money on. Uh, uh, Scott, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the, the hilarious moment at the end of this film with Michael C. Hall? Um, sure. I mean, uh, you, I mean, there's not really any way you can spoil this because you have to see it to believe it and 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 hear it. But there, there's a moment. There's a moment in which, in 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 this this gave me flashbacks to sort of like the grease fight from the original Transporter movie. <laughs> um, but but there's a scene in which the Gerard Butler character confronts the Michael C. Hall character in the latter's home, um, and this wave of mind-controlled cronies comes at. <laughs> the main character cable uh played by gerard butler who he just sort of variously dispatches without really worrying about it sort of you know like the one in the matrix (laughs) while michael c hall does this perfectly just incredible physical control sort of 50 percent pantomime you know marionette character ragdoll 50 percent like synchronized flowing modern dance sort of mime slash sing-along to a Sammy Davis Jr. rendition of yeah. Got You Under My Skin. Yeah, he, he basically pulls like a Michael Jackson dance scene in the middle of like, in the middle of a movie that has been very serious tone up to this point. He just starts doing this like dance number and it's, I mean, I was I was laughing out loud in the theater. Uh, though I was the only one laughing out loud in the theater. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were Everybody the only one in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I, I actually found that to be quite hilarious. And actually, actually, I think Michael C. Hall was the only one in this film who understood what he was doing and understood that this was a ridiculous, supposed-to-be tongue-in-cheek film. And I actually think he, he pulled that off pretty well. So, so props to him of making the best out of a, a, a really a terrible film. Uh, one thing I just have to put, and this, and this is something that just kills me with these movies and the premise of this movie. Uh, you know, so there have been many movies like Gamer, uh, Death Race, Running Man, where the whole concept is you have these convicts who are on death row and they're allowed to compete in this like televised gladiator battle to earn their freedom. But to, to me, the logic of that makes zero sense. Why would you ever take a bunch of convicted murderers, put them in an arena, and then let the one who is most badass and survives the longest go back <laughs> into society? <laughs> that seems ridiculous. It's counterintuitive. Uh but that's not it's like the gladiators. They become the uh, so uh, they become so almost royalty. after after they have killed all the other murderers. They are clearly uh, capable of re- rejoining polite society. It makes well, at least sense. they're becoming a politician. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but that's not the only logic hole this thing is. But uh, I have a problem with films where that is the premise. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping it up. Do tell are there plot holes. <laughs> Wrapping it up, Gamer, definitely not Neville Dean Taylor's best film. Uh, I would actually re- recommend, minorly recommend Crank 2. I actually think it's 
it's kind of enjoyable for as I think it actually hits the right concept of of over the top and tongue in cheek. And I actually think this film gamer may have been improved by having Jason Statham in it. Uh, but uh, yeah, clearly clearly not the film that you should go see. <laughs> Cool. My recommendation is wait until it comes out on DVD and somebody puts the dance scene on YouTube and then watch that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> kind of, kind of like the uh, my review for uh, the Spirit. Like, wait until they put the all the scenes with Sam Jackson on YouTube, and that's about all you need to see of the Spirit. Because <laughs> remember, he has two katanas. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's quickly move on to our next film, which is uh, Shane Acker's Nine. We had such potential, such promise, but we squandered our gifts, and so, Nine, I am creating you. Our world is ending. Life must go on. Uh, so this is a film that was based on a Academy Award-nominated short film of the same name. Uh, they took that concept and they made it a full-blown feature, though a very short feature. I think this thing clocks in at just over 85 minutes or so. The whole concept... It's under 80 minutes. Oh, under 80 minutes. Wow. So, uh, but anyway, the whole concept... Yeah, it's like 70 minutes or something like that. It's really short. Yeah. 79 is what they call it, but I think it's less than that well that includes the credits and the opening titles so. so so the whole concept is you know it's a very a very old sci-fi concept of man has created robots and robots have basically destroyed mankind uh it's set in this kind of fantasy almost like world war ii european environment and uh, the only things left alive after all of humanity is dead are these nine kind of sack puppets automata creatures that have been created somehow, which we learn later in the film, and they are the sort of last remnants of good in the earth, and of course they are fighting the the remaining robots, evil robots left in the world. Uh, done with this really interesting, dark, kind of bizarre aesthetic, uh, almost kind of a, a steampunk aesthetic, so a lot of, a lot of gears and knobs and switches, uh, a very very interesting looking aesthetic, uh, but uh, despite the the really cool concept and the really cool visuals in this, uh, uh, Todd, what what did you think of this film overall? <laughs> you lead into it with a despite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I did not realize that this was uh, Shane Acker. I actually thought this was Tim Burton when I was watching it. I I just didn't. I think, For whatever reason, I went into it with that mindset. It didn't click that it was not Tim, Tim Burton. Burton had his hand maybe in producing it, but uh, this was uh, definitely a, a Shane Acker director written uh, yeah. piece. So the, I, I'll keep it short because the movie was short, so it deserves a short review. Uh, right off the bat, I feel like I was dropped into the middle of a movie and the intro they forgot to make. <laughs> it, it, within the first, and I don't know if I maybe missed the first part of this, <laughs> uh, 
uh, it literally within the first couple of minutes, it's like you'd already had your first action scene and the controversy of the movie had already been set up. I mean, there was literally no buildup at all into the action of this. And then from that point forward, you're literally going from one sort of very short dialogue scene to another kind of weird action scene all the way up to the conclusion. And you get to the conclusion, uh, ultimately, and I watched this at about 50, 51 minutes into the movie. You, you more or less have resolved the, the main uh, ultimate bad guy of the movie. So right. it really does not quite justify feature length, even on a cartoon standards, an animated film standards. That said, the visuals were really intriguing. I mean, the visuals alone were enough to, to draw me into this movie and, and pull me through. I really enjoyed seeing a darker uh, computer animated movie, you know, not right. some Pixar or DreamWorks Pixar imitated uh, 3D animation. It's really nice to see a darker take on computer animation. That said, I just really wish this movie was actually longer. I always say I wish movies were shorter. This one I wish hmm. was a little bit longer because it needed a little more story for me to be complete. It just lacked enough story. It was just too too many scenes without enough story to support it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think I have a kind of similar feeling to it. Uh, I did feel like this movie was very light on story. Like Clearly they're trying to to build a very interesting backstory, but I almost felt that they were a little too forthcoming with it. Like, I almost wish there would, there had been a bit more mystery to what was going on. Cause I actually felt like once things got going, they're very much, there are a lot of exposition scenes where it's basically, let me tell you what happened. These are the robots. This was the bad robot. This is the guy who made the bad robot. And these are, you know, these are how these things were destroyed. And here's how we are right now. And, and all this kind of mystery and intrigue of this, this dead world where only robots are left. I've almost, almost kind of got spoiled by these kind of dry exposition scenes. That said, actually... But while they're dry, they're only like a minute or two long. I mean, because this movie, again, is so short. Sure. You don't get a lot of it. Sure, and, and it definitely did feel compressed. The whole concept of you basically... They basically create the bad guy within like the first couple of minutes and destroy the bad guy within the hour... And it's like, oh, hey, oh, and we're, we're yeah. kind of done. And it, it does feel like they had a hard time stretching out the short material into being a feature-length film. Almost like they just took exactly what they did in the short film and just you know really stretched it thin and added some more action sequences in the middle. But uh, it really didn't have a grander theme to what they wanted to do, even though they, I think they could have. I think there's a lot of interesting story to be built on. Uh yeah, I think there's no question you could have, if they'd started with a more open mind to how you, you come about the story, especially at the beginning. Because the movie had no time for you to really get introduced to the world, to the characters, right. or, or anything before they threw you into the middle of, of the, the, country, uh, or the, the conflict of the story. That, you know, how a story, there is some, some universal truth to a story needing some buildup before you get to the climax portions of the movie. And this movie just jumped into it too quickly, and I just don't think it, it grabbed you in that way. Right. Um, it was too long to be a short. It was too short to be a feature. So I don't know. I mean, this is don't spend ten bucks to see this movie, but <laughs> but definitely see it at some point. It's visually interesting. It's it's definitely is it's just not worth ten yeah, bucks. <laughs> the aesthetics are really cool. I must admit, I do like the kind of more disturbing, creepier concepts, like the Tim Burtony feel of this. In fact. Uh, you know, my first impressions of this was like this is like a little big planet only if it'd been done by Tim Burton. 
that yeah. the whole sack puppet things made into these creepy, weird, bizarre creatures. Uh, yeah, and let's be clear, this is not for kids. I mean, this movie, <laughs> you would never, ever want to take a kid to see this movie because the, the within that first scene, within that first two minutes, basically what appears as one of the main characters who's like the friendly, happy character to open the movie, he essentially looks like he gets killed yeah. and, and dragged off by... <laughs> By an enemy, so yep. it's very shocking for an animated film, not for kids at all. This was made by the same people that did Coraline, I should mention, and Coraline was another movie where I I didn't see it, but I heard that it was another one that probably wasn't super appropriate for kids, yeah. even though it's an animated film, because the concepts are no, very no, bizarre. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned Coraline. I actually think I enjoyed Coraline far much more than I enjoyed this film. Uh, and here's the interesting thing. Even though this film had a really cool art style, I actually felt, I actually felt some of the CG animation in this film. And maybe it's just, because, it's just because I'm so used to the amazing quality that Pixar does. The CG actually felt a little subpar in this film. Uh, there were moments where it felt like, like textures stuck out a little bit, where lighting didn't quite seem right. Uh, you know, where the lip sync dialogue stuff was a little off. And uh, I think overall I was a little underwhelmed with the the quality of the animation, even though the aesthetic was really cool. Yeah, it's just not long enough to, to be more impactful than that. The visuals are worth seeing. You just you just can't say more than that. You just can't get into the movie when it's so compressed and you're just sort of running from scene to scene. Um, so, you know, I, I won't give this two thumbs down, but it's definitely an eh uh, for me. Yeah. And not one that's worth paying 10 bucks to go see in theaters. No, I, think, I think probably the best thing to say is... Uh, Worth seeing if it looks interesting to you, but probably wait for this one to uh, come out on DVD or uh, or in Netflix. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, we've talked about a ton of content on the show, and uh, let's try, try to drag it on too long. Uh, thanks again for coming back and joining us at Weekly Monotony. I've always always come back to dailymonotony.com as often as you can to read the new posts I get up there on the wild world of entertainment and uh, of course leave comments on our uh, podcast we might read your comment if it's interesting send us an email at dailymonotony at gmail.com and uh, till next time crazy going outline phantom of the opera <laughs> I believe you don't like this man <laughs> <laughs>